Uh, obviously, we're still in our special, unique time that we find ourselves in. Things, things continue to progress and thankfully uh, get better. Uh, and, and it's just one step at a time. Uh, you you got to take steps one and two before you can get to nine and ten. And we're on steps one and two now. And uh, thankful to be able to, to gather together, even if it's online. It can be frustrating, right? All this stuff going on. I find myself getting frustrated with it or if something's not working like it's supposed to. There was one thing technically this morning that I expected to work and it didn't. And not a big deal. Uh, just to me, I expected it to work and be easy, and it didn't. And it frustrated me a little bit. And then uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, reminded me of an account that I heard this last week. I was listening to a podcast, and a man was talking about he had been to uh, Israel, and he went to Bethlehem in Israel. You remember Bethlehem, the city of David, where Jesus was born? Well, it's still there, and it's a little bit different. Now, uh, if you go, try to go to Bethlehem, there's a big fence and guards with guns and they don't let any uh, Israelis, any Jews into Bethlehem. Uh, it's completely controlled by uh, another faction. And, but there are Christian churches there. And so they talked about visiting this Christian church in Bethlehem and their rows of seating at the end of every row, there was a bucket of water. And he says, what's this? You know, we're going to look at that. What are y'all doing with this bucket of water? This is different. They said, that's because the church has been set on fire so many times. There, were so, there was so much animosity against them, against the Christians in that area, that the church had been set on fire so many times. They had buckets of water at the end of each row to help contain it more quickly. Because obviously they're not getting a lot of help from the city fire department in that situation. The pastor had been shot at least five times. Now, I don't know if that was five times. I think it was five times at once and lived. And so coincidentally, they stopped messing with him. <laughs> they were like, it's something about this guy. We're not going to mess with. We're not going to do that again. Uh, but, but just the animosity. They got buckets of water because their church is being set on fire. Their pastor's been shot. And then people would show up with speakers and play loud music to try to drown out. Uh, the, the, the preaching of the word of God in this place, which coincidentally, just like the church, their answer to that was, we're going to get bigger speakers here. <laughs> so anytime I, I get a little frustrated, you know, it's, it's easy to just remember where we are and how blessed we are and in, in, in the country that we live in and the ability. So the little things that gnaw at us, that bug us, we need to keep them in proper perspective, because at least you don't have a bucket of water sitting next to you in case somebody starts throwing firebombs into the church, right? You wonder how many churches in America would be full if that was the case. And, and they, he asked him, he said, well, how many people do, you know, come here? He said, well, it's just two or three hundred. He said, well, there's not that many here right now. He said, well, we don't bring them all here at the same time because of how, anyway, it was just wild to me and, and a reminder of how blessed we are and, and to manage our frustrations in the right way. So uh, Wednesday night, we're still virtual there. So be sure and log on to the Connect Group page right here on Facebook, 630 Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, still enjoying that. Uh, we're going to be talking about in Luke chapter 6 and verse... 
6 through 10, Jesus healing uh, the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. It's a great story. It's very short, but it's, it's, it's packed with a lot in there. Um, congratulations to Alyssa. Where'd she go? Is she out here? Anyway, Alyssa graduated this past week from CFNI with her associates in practical theology. Uh, so we're happy for her. You know, she worked hard on that. She was telling me about some of the projects she was having to do and complete and uh, one that she was really working hard on. She ended up making 100 on, I think, and getting to present to the whole class. So she, she's representing well. Congratulations to uh, Sarah. Sarah graduated from UCA this spring as well. It's a very weird time for them. Uh, for our graduates, it's not like normal, uh, but what better introduction to adult life that it's not always as you expect, that it's not always fair, but we are certainly proud of uh, the, the two of them. I don't know of anybody else graduating uh, from anything, at least recently, but uh, just, just so happy to see them growing and uh, becoming what the Lord has for them. In outreach, News This last week, Kelly and I went and dropped off uh, the 50 and we had the bag last week uh, of goodies to go to Fort Lookout. And so we dropped that off to them. Uh, they actually have a community room there, a community building. We never knew that. It's not at a spot. It's on down the road just a little bit. And you take a ride and it's up on the hill that they open however many times a week for the kids to be able to go there. So we learned something new, may have a new avenue of of doing things with them going forward, especially when the weather's uh, questionable. So we did that, uh, and I know that they'll be happy about that. And then the other thing that I wanted to share outreach-wise that we had opportunity to do here recently, I know a few Sundays ago, uh, I shared about a um, young man that I met in Honduras when we went there on a mission trip, and we were working with the ministry, Manos Extendidas, Extended Hands Ministry. And Pastor Alvin Anderson started that ministry many years ago, 20 plus years ago. And he started just called by the Lord to Honduras, left his home in South Carolina, went to uh, Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and just had a heart to help uh, the people there. And so it started just as small as him riding up to the hill where so many people lived on his motorcycle and, and teaching the children about Jesus. And when it came time for him to eat his lunch, he was hungry. He had been teaching them all morning. He's like, I'm going to eat my lunch. Y'all go eat your lunch. They were like, what lunch? We don't have any lunch. He's like, you don't have any lunch? Well, did you eat breakfast? No. Well, when was the last time you ate? And it was different for, for all of them. Some of them was you know, yesterday or two days ago. And so he started just bringing buckets of oatmeal. He would make up some oatmeal at his uh, house where he was staying, he would bring it with him. And, and that has since grown into a ministry that includes uh, two schools, three churches, and the two schools also operate as feeding centers. And then his household is kind of like a little missionary compound. And I know Lacey's been, Matthew's been, Matthew and Ashley, Tyler and Hallie, uh, Marty's been. Quite a few, Kelly and I have, have been down there. And, and so groups will come during the year, starting in the spring and going on through the summer, uh, large groups will come and then they'll work with the ministry while they're there. And some of the things the ministry does, again, it's the, uh, the schools, the feeding centers, the churches, they also go into the prisons there. And so when groups come, 
you pay for your airfare to get there and your transportation to get there. And then you also pay the ministry to house you, your room and board. You sleep there, they feed you. And so that employs people in their household because they've got people coming in to clean and to cook and to drive you around and to uh, translate for you. And so their jobs represented in, in this ministry. It's a really cool, really cool setup. And they're supported, like all missionaries are, by uh, people from the states, people that believe in the mission and, and want to help. And obviously, they're in an interesting situation right now because pandemic is going on there, too. And they're under martial law. He sent a letter last month and then another one this month, just kind of updating on what they're doing. And he said, under martial law, you get a, a card or a ticket that says when you can go out of the house. So like if Monday is your numbers day, that's the, that's the day you go and that's the only day you can go. And he said, well, that's all fine and good, except public transportation's not running. So nobody, you know, without a car is able to get out and do much because they're having to walk everywhere. He said, we got a lot of sick, got a lot of infirm. And then beyond that, even the ones that can get out and make that walk, they live on such a day-to-day Income Like we think a paycheck to paycheck is week to week or two weeks to two weeks or one month to the next month. They're on a day to day deal even shared in his last letter. And for those that went, uh, Carlos, remember Carlos and his wife, Daisy worked there in the ministry and he shared what Carlos did for a living. He would he would go and buy bulk bags of water because they don't drink their water in cups or bottles, they, they're just in bags, little plastic bags of water, almost like a little waterbed mattress, but a tiny one. And he'd go buy those in bulk and he would lease space in a refrigerator to cool it. And then he would go out into the market and sell it. And that's how he would make money. Well, he's not able to do that right now. You know, obviously his wife works at the school. The school's not open right now. So, so he used them as kind of a microcosm of this is what we're dealing with. And he said the government understands that people are at risk during this time and they're trying to help. And so they deliver one, you know, thing of food a month to, I, I think, 800,000 families. But that package of government food, he says, will only last a family of six about a little bit less than a week, a lot more in a month. Than just a week. So what the ministry is doing is trying to come alongside that. Pastor Alvin calls it his uh, give a man a fish program or, or ministry. You know, you've heard the give a man a fish today. You'll feed him for today. Teach him to fish. You know, you, you feed him for a lifetime. Well, they can't teach anybody to fish right now. So they're just having to give out fish on, on a daily. So they're taking these contributions that are coming in and they're going and buying food in bulk and then taking it back to the church and then spreading it out into individual uh, boxes. And the boxes of food are like five pounds of rice, five pounds of beans, five pounds of flour, two pounds of sugar, four packs of coffee, you know, essentials, uh, one pound cooking oil, salt, spaghetti, pasta, and then families with children under five are also getting powdered milk and or oatmeal. And so they're putting together 23 pound boxes of food that'll last a family of, of, of six about another um, week, you know, five days or so. You think, well, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, but it go through it pretty fast. But they're able to do it for $11 a box. And so what, what the church has done uh, already, uh, because again, we, we have a heart for this ministry. It was, God really put it on my heart. We, we sent them enough to be able to do uh, 90 boxes 
of food. Uh, so 2,000 pounds. And so that, that's from your giving here at the church. We, we've sent them enough to do that much food for the people in the community there, right? They're taking care of the folks in the, in the church who, who don't have enough and then going out into the community past that. And, and I, I'm going to tell them that, and of course, Kelly and I support them monthly. It's usually been a small amount. We, we increased that, you know, this last month. And, and we want to continue to support them. I just encourage you, if the Lord puts that on your heart, you want to give to that directly. Uh, again, we're going to continue uh, to, to support them as a church as we go. Because again, they usually have groups come in. That's usually income for the ministry that they use to operate through the rest of the year. And ain't nobody flying to Honduras right now. Nobody's going. They're not getting on a plane with a group of 15 or 20, you know, young people or, or, or folks in their church and going. And they would have multiple groups during the year. And, and so thankfully, a lot of people have gone and a lot of people are connected with them. And, you know, in, in just messaging him, he said, you know, the, the Lord is good. He provides. Appreciate your prayers. Appreciate your support and, and everything that you're doing. But just know you're feeding people in Honduras. They're going to eat rice that you bought, which is awesome. And we're going to continue to do that. Again, if you want to give directly to that, just put a note on either an envelope or, or, or your check. Or if you're doing it online, we've got the online giving now uh, where you can do either just a, a one-time gift or you can set up your information in there where you can just log back in and not have to re-enter. Okay, take it out of here. Uh, and, and all you have to do is change the dates and the amounts. And you can put a little tag on there and just put Honduras. And anything that comes in specifically for that, we'll send directly to them uh, once a month. And again, we're going to continue to uh, support them during this time. But yeah, 2,000 pounds of, of food. I asked Siri, that is a ton, a ton of food going. And, and if you've been there, you know that they are not well equipped for this uh, at all. Uh, and, and so just the ability to do that, feed a hungry man today. What a blessing to do. And they're doing it. You know, I always make it's good to feed someone. It's even better to feed them and let them know it's in the name of the Lord. Right. That, that this is because he loves you and he wouldn't let me not come feed you. This isn't just me being good. This is in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So just be in prayer for them. Uh, like I said, I know some of you have have gone and we'll try to get some more information on that. But I saw a, a picture of them loading up that food and it wasn't the food that, that we bought that that's going to come uh, soon, but, but just loading it up and watching, they took it to the church building. They tried to do it where pastor Alvin wouldn't have to be involved. You know, he's not a young man. And so he, I guess the, the church uh, being thoughtful of him going, Hey, we don't want you to be out and about doing this. We're going to do it. And so I saw them with a little assembly line. They had tables set up. You know, they're putting it in each bag and then they're toting it like a bucket line out to the, to the truck to go deliver to the people in the community. I know I took a little while on that, but I think that's a big deal. And again, I, I want us to remember that uh, we've got a lot going on where we are, uh, but we are connected to people around the world. So we're outreaching in the community and then even uh, across the big water. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those to the book of Luke chapter six. We're going to be moving ahead a little bit 
uh, and then covering the gaps on, uh, on, on Wednesday. So we're going to be in Luke 6 and verse 20 this morning. Luke 6 and verse 20. We'll read it and then bless it this morning as we worship over the word. It says there in Luke 6 and 20, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to forgive us of our sins as we approach you in your word today. I pray that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. God, that you teach us more about you and more about our life and your kingdom. I thank you that you'll use it to encourage us today, each one as we have need. We love you and we thank you so much for the blessing of having your word, your, your holy scripture in our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in Luke 6, what is Jesus doing? He's doing what he said he would do. He's going about and teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and letting the people know that life in God's kingdom is going to replace the life that you know now. It's going to be different than what you expected. And I'm going to tell you about it, that, that he went about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. So when, when we're looking at this, we will just ask ourselves a question. Do we believe that Jesus tells the truth? Can we trust him in what he's saying? Yes. Right. That shouldn't be a cliffhanger for us. Does Jesus tell the truth? Yes. So when he's telling us how things are, it's not he's he's it's not like he's saying, I wish it was this way or I'm going to pray to the father that it'll be this way. He does say some things like that. But when he makes a statement and he tells us how things are, we can trust him. Right. We can believe that. So here he's telling us something that's in our minds a little strange. He's saying that. Blessed are those who are poor, who are hungry, and who are weeping. They are blessed. And sorrow to those who are rich, who are full now, and who are laughing. Sorrow to them because it's going to turn. So you see a parallel for each one. Poor and rich, hungry and full, weeping and laughing, excluded, mocked, and celebrated. You, you see these parallels there. And so when the way he's putting it is upside down of what we would normally think, right? Like, well, poor, that would be bad. Rich would be good. Hungry, bad. Full, good. Weeping, bad. Happy, laughing, good, right? So it's upside down of what we would think, and it's hard for us to understand it. At first, again, each one 
has its parallel. He said, blessed are those who are poor because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, but sorrow to those who are rich. For you have your only happiness now. And now we don't have to really get tied up about, um, oh my gosh, what, what does this mean? Because he gives us all the meaning that we need in Scripture. When we don't know what Scripture is referring to, the first rule is Scripture interprets Scripture, right? And so you can go to the book of Matthew and read this same account. It's called the Beatitudes or the, the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he builds it out a little bit more and almost takes it in a little bit different direction. So Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will be filled. And so he takes the conversation a spiritual direction. Luke takes it more of a natural direction. So when you put the two together, it, each one un understands the other one, but it makes it all comprehensive. And so you're getting the same listing, but with a different approach. Matthew's talking about poor in spirit. Luke talking about poe. Right. And Luke says, God blesses you who are poor. And the word poor there means reduced to begging, not just, hey, I'm a little short right now. I can't, you know, go to the movies. Reduced to begging, lacking, unable. And then it says, woe or sorrows to the rich because you have your only happiness now. And again, does Jesus tell the truth? Yes, we know he tells the truth. So what is he talking about? What is he talking about? And let's think about it this way. When I was studying this, this illustration came and I was like, that's a great way for me to understand it. God, I hope it works for everybody else. So pretend you're ushered into a room that has two doors in front of you. And you're in there alone and you're told to pick one or the other. And above one door is a sign that says rich. And above the other door is a sign that says poor. Which door are you going to choose? That's going to bend your brain a little bit, isn't it? To think about that. You give no other information. One door says rich. One door says poor. Pick one to walk through. Well, I mean, right? And you're even thinking of it already through some of your Christian filters and what you know in Scripture. Well, first should be last. You know, God exalts the humble, so maybe I should pick the poor door because he says that, right? Again, it's going to bend your mind. Why? Because you don't have enough information. It's not giving you enough information. It's giving you a term without an exact definition. So who define when you're standing in that room, if you're told to pick, pick which door you think you should go through, one says rich, one says poor, what are you going to pick? You, you're, you're, again, it's going to bend your brain a little bit. Unless you're just bold and you go, well, 50-50 chance. I'm just going to pick one. Right? I'm just going to go. I mean, 50-50 chance, heads or tails. I'm, I might be right if I pick one, right? But again, which one are you going to pick? It's hard because you don't have enough information. It's not telling you, hey, here's the poverty line between rich and poor. If you make more than this, walk through the rich door. If you make less than this, walk through the poor door. You don't get that information to define it for you. You don't get to see what anybody else picks. You don't get to see, well, if he picked the poor door, then I'm sure poor. If he picked the rich door, then I'm rich. If he picked the poor door, then I may be in the rich door. So the only way we have to define it is in ourselves, right? 
It's not defined for us. It's not specific. It says rich and it says poor. And so if we ask ourselves, which one are we? Which door are we choosing? It's like, well, I don't know what I mean. Because what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to compare yourself to something to determine where you are. You know, we talked about Honduras. You compare yourself to anybody in Honduras. Well, if I'm comparing myself to the people in Honduras, I'm rich. If I'm comparing myself to the people in Hollywood, if then we're talking about money, hey, are we even talking about money? There's bend your brain some more. So which one are we picking? It's hard because it's not defined any more than that for us. And the definition is going to come from you. You're going to define it. And that's the way Jesus didn't say, all right, some of y'all stand over here. Blessed are y'all because you're poor. Woe to you because you're rich. He didn't separate them. He's giving the teaching and you apply it to your heart. He says God blesses the poor, the ones that say I'm not enough, the ones that say I don't have enough, the ones that say I can't be enough, the ones that have been reduced to begging. He says, but sorrow will come to those that think they are enough. Those who are rich, you walk through the rich door. Oh, he said sorrow coming for you because you think that you have Enough, And then blessed are those who are walking through the poor door because you understand that in yourselves you are not enough. And again, for you, when you're when you're thinking through that question, it's even being muddied by what you know in Scripture. And again, that's just an illustration to go, well, which one would we pick? Well, we would need more information. Right. But he's saying the definition is going to come from you. I'm just telling you what happens on each Side. He said, God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. But woe and sorrow awaits the fat and prosperous now, because an awful hunger is coming. Now, we, we know the stories, right? Jesus believed in eating. He fed 5,000 people. When that happened, the disciples came up to him and said, Lord, you know, we should really let these people go back to town and get some food because it's getting late and everybody's hungry. And Jesus didn't say, they're all blessed. This is the more hungry they get, the more blessed they are, right? Now, what did he do? He said, feed them, let's feed them. Bring me some food, let's feed them. So he believed in eating, right? Right, he didn't believe in eating. We saw him, he ate fish. He didn't go around not eating. You know, it wasn't like somebody asked you, how are you, brother? Well, I'm blessed. And them saying, yeah, I'm hungry too. <laughs> I'm hungry too. No, so what is he talking about? I see it again. So whether we're talking about the, those who are rich or poor, those who are hungry or full, it's a recognition of our condition. And if we see ourselves as lacking something, where are we looking to be satisfied from? Where a recognition of who we are and where are we pointing our appetite once we realize it? Where do we expect full to come from? That's what he's talking about. He said, blessed are those who understand that they're empty and know the right place to look to be filled. And woe to those who think they are full, who think they have all that they'll need and look to it as their safety and their security. And again, remember the timing because ours can be muddied by what we know now and what's available to us now. But at this point, the veil had not been torn. And so they are coming to him, having been burdened by legalistic observances 
and made plain that they were not enough. They didn't have satisfaction. They didn't have closeness to the presence of God. So, so that has to be remembered as we're looking at the timing of this. It says, he blesses those who weep now for in due time you will laugh. But sorrow and woe to those who are laughing now for it will turn to mourning and sorrow. And again, we, you know, can't take that too literally. Like, oh, how are you meant? Well, I'm kind of worried. What are you worried about? I'm worried about my kids. Why? I saw them laughing. They were laughing. That means sorrow's coming, right? So what, what is he saying? Why, why are the blessed ones weeping? Blessed are those who weep. Well, maybe because they're poor and hungry, right? Maybe it's over the acknowledgement of, no, yeah, I am empty without him. I am not satisfied without him. And so there's weeping that comes from that. Weeping a sign of, of pain and grief. But he said, blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. You will be filled. God blesses the poor. God blesses the hungry. God blesses the weeping. So it would be important for us to look at and talk about what blessed means. Right. Yours may say your, your translation may just say blessed is Blessed are the poor. And, and then the new living just expands it out to go, well, who's blessing them? God's blessing. God blesses the poor. So if we're talking about blessing, we need to define what that means. And it's a I don't know that you can find a more Christian word than bless. Right. Or blessing. Right. If you had to go, well, what's the what, what's the biggest, like most used Christian word? It would probably be blessed. Or it would be up there in the top five, at least, using it that way. But I, I wonder if we're always conscious of how full the meaning of that word is when we're getting it from Scripture, right? Because sometimes when we say it, when, it may just be because somebody sneezed. Well, bless you. Oh, that means, hey, I, I, what does it really even mean? I excuse you for sneezing, I guess. It's an, I know they say, well, there was a thought at one point where if you sneezed, your heart stopped. And so if it kept beating, like God blessed you because you're still alive. That sneeze didn't kill you. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But I guess, it, you know, it's really thoughtful, right? Apparently it's seen as really thoughtful. But it's just like one sneeze, the other one says, oh, God bless you. Well, thanks. I get, right? I don't know. Anyway, that'll bend your mind too. But it's more than that. It's more than just, hey, I'm having a good day. It's more than just, I hope that goes well for you. Right? It does mean those things, but it's bigger than that and it expands out bigger than that. When you're talking about the blessing of the Lord, to be blessed by God, the God of creation, the blessing of the Lord goes all the way back to the beginning of the book when he blessed Adam and Eve in the garden. Right? Be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth subdue it and have dominion is the blessing of the Lord all the way back in the garden. He blessed Abraham and said, I will bless you and make you a great nation. And then all the nations of the world will through you be blessed. We, we see a blessing over the 12 tribes of Israel from Jacob as he's nearing the end of his life. David blessed of the Lord in the book of Revelation. There are seven separate blessing statements as you're leading up to the full victory of Jesus over sin and death. And so blessing is a lot 
bigger. But the basic translation of the word blessed is happy. Happy, that's good, right? And it's so simple then to, to paraphrase God blesses to God gives happiness. But again, that's another word for us that, that, that kind of lives down here in too lowly of a, of a realm for what it actually means. But God gives happiness, but he gives it. It's not just like, well, he said something and it made me laugh. He gave me happiness. No, he gives it on a much deeper and more comprehensive scale than we can imagine. We talked about how big God is. And so imagine how big the gift of God's happiness into your life is one thing we have to know and understand that happiness is not external. It's not something that it's given to you on the outside and then works its way inside. Like you're putting on a cream, like, yeah, you put it on and it slowly, you know, gets down in there. It doesn't come from the outside in. When God gives happiness, when God blesses, he puts it on the inside and then it comes out. The blessing of the Lord is planted deep into the soul of a person and it abounds out from there. The blessing of the Lord multiplies and brings more to your life than you ever thought possible. You see what he told it to do in the beginning. Be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, which means you're going to be raised to a level that you will have more than enough. And then that's going to abound out and continue to grow and to spread. Same thing with Abraham. Same thing with the tribe. Same thing with David. Same thing when he said, Blesses, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Right? So the blessing of the Lord multiplies and it grows. So the idea that when you become a Christian that you are less than what you used to be is completely false. You're like, what, is, what do you mean? People think like, yeah, he's the same, except now he doesn't do this and this and this and this. Like there's only a reduction. There's only a taking away of what the life was. And then what remains is the Christian. But we know that's not true because you're given in the blessing so much more than you ever had before. It's not a reduction of passions. But it's a multiplication of them and directs them the right way. When you talk about blessed is the man, blessed are the ones. This is a big, big statement. As I was reading and studying this, I read where one Old Testament scholar talking about the word blessed, talking about a blessing, says it is the power to live in its deepest and most comprehensive sense. The blessing of the Lord, the blessing of God upon you is the power to live in its most deep and comprehensive sense. Again, some of the other things he mentioned in there was the characteristic of blessing is to multiply. And as we interact with one another, it's not just conversation. It's not just spending time together. It is literally souls interacting with each other. And when souls interact with one another, Regardless of the level of intimacy, there's interaction between people. The contents of their souls are shared one with the other. And the blessed, the one with the blessing, when you have the blessing on the inside of you, it's abounding out of you and then blessing others. Just like if you're not operating in that, when you were operating in sin and evil and you interacted with someone else, what were they getting? 
the abundance of your heart, whatever was overflowing out of you or all that was available or missing out on whatever was unavailable. But the blessing of the Lord multiplies. And when we come together, that's shared with one another. That same strength, that ability to live that is provided to you in the blessing of the Lord is shared with others by the power of God. Remember in the book of Philippians, we studied that last year, Paul wrote that God is working in you to give you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. He is working in you, giving you the desire and the ability or the power to do what pleases him. That's, that's the blessing that we're talking about. The blessing of the Lord that is empowered and purposed to produce what it promised. Now get, get that. The blessing of the Lord is endued with power and purposed to produce what God promised. It's not re re a requirement of us to be able to drum up the energy and the strength and the power to bring about what he promised. What he promises, he provides for, right? And so just like it said in Philippians, he is working in us, in your both the will and the do of his good pleasure, giving us the desire and the ability, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the blessing of the Lord is purposed to produce that which was promised. The blessing of the Lord is not a new car. It's not a new house. It's not a new job or a better job, right? It's the desire and the ability to please God and walk in his kingdom. All those other things come with it. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? But they're byproducts of the blessing. They're byproducts of the abundance of the blessing on your life. So why did Jesus say, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the weeping, blessed are those who are excluded? So do I have to stay poor and hungry and sad and excluded to be blessed? No. Again, Scripture interprets Scripture. We didn't see them living that way. So what I have to see then is the insufficiency in my own self and everything else I can put my trust in. Because listen, without him, none of us are rightfully walking through the rich door. In any area of your life, none of us are rightfully walking through that rich door because we can, without him, we can never, ever, ever, ever have enough. And with him, we always, 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 always have enough. So it's, it's not the amount. It's how you look at your situation. You're like, yes, I have this. Praise the Lord. It's a gift from him. But even if I had twice this without him, it's not enough. Even if I had 10 times this without him, it's not enough. I use this example all the time. If you took your annual income and you multiplied it by 10, you'd be like, woohoo! Yes. Without him, it's still not enough. And, and, you know, and watch what your heart does when that comes up as an option, because then you think, oh, now I'll be secure. Now I'll be safe. Now I'll have enough. That's when we're in trouble, right? That's when scripture says when things get good, be careful you don't forget about him. He's saying, which door are you walking through? Because without me, without the blessing of the Lord on your life, 
You'll never have enough in any of these areas to walk through the rich door. Without him, nobody gets through that door lawfully. He says, woe to the rich, woe to the fool, sorrow to the happy and the celebrated because they're going to think that those things can sustain and secure and save them. Now, the world and us by extension loves rags to riches stories, don't we? Loves to start it from the bottom and now we're here. We, we made it from the bottom all the way to the top. I worked my way up. I used to not have anything. Now I have everything. I used to be hungry and now I'm full. I'm, I used to be sad and now I'm happy. That's the story of the world and that's the lie that it tells is that you can progress your way far enough that you'll be satisfied, you'll be happy, you'll be fulfilled without him. But Jesus is coming and saying, you're going to have to come to the honest end of yourself to acknowledge that you are never going to be enough on your own. That's what faith does. Faith gives us the ability to see as God sees. So it sees us first as we are, as we truly actually are, not as we want to be, not how we wish we were, not how we think we are, but how we actually are, which is insufficient. All my options outside of him, seeing them for what they really are, which is what? False hope. He says sorrow and woe to those that think that this is all that there is. It's possible that prosperity without the right heart and mindset will actually be a curse to you. Will actually be a curse to you. What looks like prosperity, if your heart is blind, it will actually be a curse to you. That's what he's saying. Woe to those who are rich now. Woe to those who are full, fat, and prosperous now. Woe to those who are laughing now. But blessed, empowered to produce the promise are those who realize that even when they were rich, they were poor. Even when they were full, they were starving. Even when they were laughing, it was covering weeping. The blessing of the Lord gives the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to the poor. It satisfies the hungry and brings laughter to the heart of those who mourn. So why is this? I, I, I came across this as I was studying and, and it just really summed it up. Salvation in Christ, a life in his kingdom changes everything. Eventually. Life in the kingdom changes everything. Eventually, progressively and eventually. You know, you don't come to Christ and see everything in your life made perfect, right and wonderful right then, do you? That happened to anybody. Let me know. We'll, I'll let you tell me how it happened. Right. But did it get better? Yes. Has it continued to get better since then? Yes. In spite of circumstances, in spite of what you dealt with, it's gotten better since then. All the way until it's made completely perfect in him. Amen. So salvation in Christ changes everything eventually, progressively and completely, totally. And, and see that we know we're changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us, culminating 
when we get home, when the kingdom becomes sight completely. The change begins now, continues our whole life long, and then once completed in him, lasts forever. So you see that. He, he's saying those that are poor, hang on. Those that are hungry, hang on. Those that are weeping, hang on. Because the kingdom is being fulfilled in your life. The blessing of the Lord, an operation on the inside of you, working its way out. Amen. The, the last thing we'll look at in this list of blessings and sorrows as we finish up is there in verse 22 and 23 for the blessed part and then 26 for the woe part. And Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come and get ready, I don't think I'll be much longer, but I don't make any promises. So in 22 and 23, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. That one's a little hard to read. Blessed are you when you're excluded, when you're mocked, when you're cursed as evil because you follow the Son of Man. Now, I always loved it that Pastor Jake would point out these passages, he's like, you know, it's okay to be excluded and called evil because you follow the Son of Man. Don't be excluded and called evil just because you're a jerk. He said, sometimes we label persecution, label something as persecution when actually we were just being a jerk. Right? So we have to divide that out. Right. And Jesus said, if you're excluded and called evil and cursed and mocked because you follow the Son of man, and I've, I've said it multiple times, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, and we're going to cover that. I don't know when, but it's going to be good. He called himself the son of man. When you follow the son of man and people do that, rejoice. Rejoice. Yes, leap for joy. Be happy for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. And then he says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised false prophets, which I just wrote, you know, beside mine, don't get the big head. The crowd may not be what you think it is. Okay. Right. And what, what is he saying? Be happy when you're excluded, you're mocked. And because, because you follow the son of man, your reward is in heaven. Your reward isn't to be accepted by them. Your reward is in heaven. There's treasures in heaven and that the powers of this world are contrary to the kingdom of God. They seek happiness and fulfillment without acknowledging the only one who can bring it about. And your life will offend the world at a base level until they're converted. Amen. Your life is going to offend the world at a base level until they're converted or destroyed. And, and we see the hatred and malice for God, his word and his people in the world all the time. It was happening then, it's happening now. And Jesus said, be happy and leap for joy when you're excluded from that which would otherwise bring great sorrow. He's saying, this is, when they exclude you, that's not a group you want to be in. If you're being excluded from it because you follow the Son of Man, that's not a group you want to be in. Why? Because they're the group that the sorrow and the woe is coming for. And then the blessing of the Lord 
is at work in you to produce the promise, bringing times of joy. Remember, one characteristic of the blessing is multiplication. And so living your blessed life now, your blessed life now will flow over into the people that you have contact with, the souls that you interact with, those that are walking in darkness, that the blessing of the Lord has yet to claim, just know it's still working. It's still moving its way in you and out of you to those around you. Psalm 128 said, Blessed by God is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in His ways. It's spreading in you. It's spreading in me more and more as we continue in this life, as we continue to follow Him, as we continue to serve Him, as we continue to seek Him. It is spreading on the inside of you and then it's overflowing out of you. It's empowered to produce what it promises. Blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who weep, because laughter is coming. Nobody can walk through the rich door without Him. Amen. Don't y'all stand up with me. We'll pray and sing as we finish up. I think we're, I think we're still on Facebook. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth to us, Lord, and a reminder to see rightly that faith comes when we hear the word. It gives us the ability to see things as they really are, to see things with the sight that you see them. Lord, to know that without you we're never enough, to not put our trust in the things of this world, but to lay up our treasures and our security in heavenly places, in Lord, I thank you that you, you, you've promised that even if we find ourselves poor and hungry and weeping and excluded for following the Son of Man, that we will not always be that away. That you are fulfilling your promise. The blessing of the Lord is an operation on the inside of us, empowered to produce what you have promised and that we'll see it with our eyes, that our salvation in you changes everything. Lord, that we'll see that made complete and total when we stand before your throne, our only claim, Jesus. Lord, to rejoice with you for all eternity. And we thank you that as we come into contact with those around us, that the blessing on the oper in operation on the inside of us abounds out and reaches out. That's, that's how we got here, God. And I thank you that it's going to continue to reach others, that it provides the power and the desire to do what pleases you. God, protect your people. Lord, keep us safe. I thank you, Father, that you keep all harm from us. Keep us from fear. We trust you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you be with each one who's watching today, who isn't able to be here with us in person. I thank you, Lord God, that you're with them in person. Lord, I thank you that they will feel and know and understand your love for them and our, the love that we have in our hearts for them. Lord, I thank you that you'll bring us all safely back together, that you'll relieve us from this threat of virus. Lord, and our nation will turn to you in honor and in thanksgiving. 
that they will acknowledge you as God and be thankful. I thank you, Lord, that your word is working in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our homes, and our households. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.